My name is John Bradbury, and this is the Understanding Your Identity and Purpose podcast. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to be talking about consciousness today. But before we get into that, I just want to mention that today's episode is brought to you by my brand new coaching series. It's like a, an e-course that has 10 videos that are 15 to 20 minutes each. Uh, it has study notes that you can use for your own personal journaling or as group study notes. Uh, this, this series works great for a small group discussion you know, like a 10-person Sunday school class, small group uh, kind of setting. And it also has uh, 10 activation practices. And my book, The Good and Noble Heart 10-Week Transformation, it includes that in the digital format, so the ebook. Uh, the notes are printable. And here's the idea. It's called Transforming Your Life from the inside out. And it is the coaching I wish I had years ago. The the 10 main lessons that I've learned about identity and the fences we build around our life and how to fulfill your calling. You know, a lot of times we get caught up in what is my calling? What is my purpose? Who am I? You know, why am I here? But most of the time, deep down inside us, we already have a sense of who we are. We already have, a, you know, kind of a, a vague understanding of what we're called to do. That's not the main problem. The main problem is we're holding ourselves back. We have built this fence around our life to keep ourselves comfortable and safe and to feel certain about things. And this 10-week coaching series, you could actually go through it faster than that if you want to binge watch the videos and just go through it as fast as you can. But it's designed to be a 10-week coaching series where you you could go through the 10-week book by reading the devotions and journaling your answers. And then once a week, you can watch the videos and go through the discussion or journal questions. The book is kind of like the homework <laughs> and the videos and notes are more like the lecture or the the teaching but the videos are short they're only about 15 to 20 minutes so you could show them in an hour small group or you could watch them you know once a week yourself the good thing is i've included the license to show the videos to a small group at no extra charge so you could get the the e-course for yourself and then decide to use the same videos for your small group 
or your Sunday school class or your team and there's no extra charge as long as you're the one using your login to, to show them um, it's the same price and it's only $20 I know that's kind of ridiculous uh, but I really wanted this to make this accessible to everyone. It's about a hundred dollars of value, you know, a 10 week transforming your life coaching for $20 and you get the book, you get the notes, you get the activation practices and you get the videos. And again, you get the license to show it to your family or your small group or your class or your team at no extra charge. So uh, I just want you to take advantage of that. I'll link it up in the show notes. It's on my website, johnbradbury.co forward slash coaching, or you know, just the coaching tab on the menu. So I really want you guys to take advantage of that. Uh, $20, you can't beat it. Go check that out and that is it. Let's let's jump right into consciousness. What is it? Why is it important? What does it matter? What does it have to do with identity and purpose and all of that? In order to explain, and I'll get into some details later, I just want to retell a Bible story that is in Luke chapter 3 and 4. So it's one continuous story in both of those chapters. And I hope this will help make sense of it. And we may compare it to some other Bible stories. But in Luke chapter 3, Jesus has now come of age and has become aware that it was his time to start his ministry or fulfill his calling. Now this is very relevant to you because if you're listening to this, you have become aware that it is time for you to fulfill your calling. You wouldn't be listening to this without having that sense of, I want to do what God has created me to do. I want to cooperate with Him. I want to live a fruitful life. I want to stop restricting myself, holding myself back. It's time to fulfill the purpose which I am on the earth. We talked about purpose last week. You can go back and listen to that, what your inner purpose is and your outer purpose. We'll talk about calling specifically on another episode. How do you know what your calling is? But today I want to talk about consciousness so that you have the foundation to understand calling and how to walk it out. So Jesus has become aware that he it is time for him to fulfill his calling to walk out the purpose that he has on the earth to do his job so to speak he goes down to the river where John the Baptist is baptizing people 
John the Baptist is preaching the message, change the way you think. Change the way you think because the kingdom of God is at hand. The message is not pray a prayer, get saved. The message is change your awareness. Change your awareness. Shift your awareness because the kingdom of God or the realm of God's power, the realm of God's revelation, the realm of God, the spirit realm is here. It's near. It's at hand. It's close by. It's available. It wasn't available before, but now it's available. So that is John's message, which God gave him to prepare people for Jesus because Jesus was the kingdom of God walking around. He was the demonstration of it. He was the access point. He was the door, you know, the way into it. Jesus comes down and he gets baptized himself. Now, John has a, a bit of a problem with this because he sees a dove representing the Holy Spirit or manifesting the Holy Spirit as a dove come and rest on Jesus. I'm assuming it rested on his shoulder, but it, we don't know that. John sees this with Either it's an open vision or a closed vision, we don't know. Or is it is it literal, physical, where everybody saw it? We don't know. But we know that John saw it. And we know that God had already told him that when you see the Holy Spirit descending as a dove onto somebody and remaining, staying there, not leaving, that is the guy. That is my son. That is the Messiah. That's the one you've been preparing people for. So Jesus comes down to the river, and John is there. There's a crowd, and John sees the dove rest on Jesus, remembers the prophecy, and says, that's the guy. That's the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. That's the Son of God. That's the Messiah. I don't just know this myself. I know it as revelation from heaven. Because God told me exactly what would happen and now I see it. Now, Jesus gets baptized and John you know, struggles with the idea that he's the one baptizing Jesus. But Jesus didn't need to he didn't need to receive forgiveness of sin. He never sinned. He didn't need to change his mind. His mind was never wrong, so to speak. He didn't need to shift his awareness like we need to shift our awareness. 
away from the ego because he never developed an ego in the first place. But God wanted a public demonstration. He wanted Jesus to publicly display the way. He wanted Jesus to model for us the way. And so it was important that Jesus walk through the same process that we would walk through so that we know the way. He is the model. So he goes under the water, comes up, a symbol of the death of the ego and the raising up of new life. And then from heaven, God speaks out loud, audible voice, and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now this is what we are all craving. This is what we live for. This is what we all want. We want to connect to the source. We want to be one with life. We want to feel whole. We want to feel accepted. We want to belong. We want to feel useful and meaningful and fulfilled. We want this approval and forgiveness and acceptance. We want to be sons of God. We want to be the bride of Christ. We want to be the branch in the vine. We want to feel connected and loved. And God gives Jesus this approval in front of everybody before he does any ministry, before he fulfills his calling. This is so crucial. Just like Jesus getting baptized is the model for us to change the way we think, to shift our awareness, this voice from heaven, this approval from God is a model as well. That God accepts us before we deserve it. He approves of us before we perform. He's cheering for us before we make the shot, so to speak. He loves us unconditionally. He accepts us for who we are. He made us. He made us. He designed us to be as we are. And he gives his stamp of approval before you get it right. Now, this is critical because if you have to do anything to get God's approval, it actually creates this whole cascade of problems that strengthens your ego. It creates this sense of comparison and judgment and opinions and shame and blame and pride and arrogance and uncertainty and all of the things that trap you in your ego and strengthen it come from this feeling of I need to do something or be someone to get approval. So God gives the approval first 
before Jesus does anything, before he heals one person, before he preaches, before he dies, before he raises, before he you know, makes disciples, before he pours out his spirit, before there's anything where you could say Jesus performed well or accomplished something or did God's will or fulfilled his calling, God approved of him. And this is the same for you. Taking my time on this because this is where you're at. If you're listening to this podcast or watching this video, I am 100% sure that you have a calling on your life and you, you want to fulfill it in a deeper or more meaningful way. You want to know what it is with more clarity and understanding and you want to walk it out with more power and authority and, and fulfill the entirety of it. You want to accomplish what God has for your life. Now, I want to make this clear. I hope this is already uh, normal thinking for you. But that calling does not mean full-time ministry for everybody. It doesn't even mean a position in a church. It may have nothing to do with talking on a stage or a microphone or laying your hands on the sick, even though we all communicate, we all serve the poor, we all love. That's part of life. But I mean, your calling could just as easily be to have a barber shop and cut hair and spread the love of Jesus one person at a time as it is to be an influencer on social media and be an entrepreneur and run your own business or to start or participate in a nonprofit that's serving the world or to start a church, or to be a traveling minister, or to write books, or to make music, or whatever. Your calling is spiritual, and business, and the arts, and entertainment, and family, and science, and all of the things are spiritual. Your calling is not to ministry, unless God tells you it's to ministry, that all of those things are equally valid. God cares just as much that the poor get fed, that the, those who've never heard the gospel hear the gospel, that science finds the answers to the problems the world is facing, that businesses thrive, that inventions, technology, that serve the world is created. God cares equally about all those things. He is not just, let's see how many people we can get to repeat a prayer, come to church, and then 
leave the rest to burn. That is bad theology. It's not biblical. And if your desires and your sense of purpose and calling is associated with art or painting or whatever, uh, business or entrepreneurship or finance or science or politics, do not feel like it's less of a calling or more of a calling. God has people assigned where he, they fit. There is just one body with one head and one spirit, and we are all fulfilling a specific calling that God has for us. Now, back to the story. just wanted to make sure that you don't think I'm saying called to ministry like you're supposed to be a traveling evangelist and what you really want, what God put in your heart, is completely different than that. But Jesus is baptized. He's coming out of the water. The Holy Spirit is descending on him. John is witnessing it. The Father speaks out loud, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, before Jesus has done anything. He has the witness from somebody else. He has the, the, the Spirit descending on him. He has the approval of the Father. He has his own going under the water and coming back up. He has this moment where he's saying yes. And it's being affirmed. And all of this is happening before anybody gets healed, before one word gets preached. This happens before you start your business, before you go to school, before you get married, before you start this small group, before you solve the problem, before you invent the next technology. This is God initiating, God approving of you. Now, Jesus then is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, this idea of being led by the Spirit is your purpose in life. You might have a specific calling that's business or art or whatever, but your purpose in life is the same as everybody else's purpose in life, to be led by the Spirit. To be led by the Spirit. So, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he sits there in solitude, in silence, not eating, not doing anything, no performance, no interaction, no, no results, zero results, zero feedback. Nothing that tells him he's doing good or bad. No form at all. No form. So he doesn't look good to others. 
He doesn't appear righteous. He's not accomplishing anything. He's just sitting there. He's just sitting there. There's silence. There's six weeks of nothing. Six weeks of nothing except the temptation of the devil. The temptation of the devil. What is the devil trying to get and why did the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness? This is so important for you. So important for me. Because this is the part we miss. And before I answer the question, what was Jesus there for? I want to compare it to the children of Israel in the wilderness. Years and years ago, centuries before, the children of Israel come out of Egypt. They were slaves. God calls them out. They have a, they have a calling. They have the same kind of moment that Jesus had where they're, they meet God at the Mount Sinai. They hear his voice. They get his approval the the power and the splendor and the and the the sense of calling and purpose that you are this to me and now it's their turn their time to go walk it out and they feel it and they know it and then they go through the wilderness To the promised land, having not learned, not activated, not practiced what Jesus practiced, they didn't get it, and they go into the promised land, and their thinking is, we're like grasshoppers. They feel like a grasshopper. They feel insignificant. They don't feel connected. They don't feel powerful. And they get beat up. And then they go back and have to spend 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years. 40 years. Now, you know followers of Jesus, Christians, people that go to church. I know them, you know them, because this is most of them. You might be one of them. Who have so adapted to living in that place of the wilderness that they think that is the kingdom of God. They think that is the Christian life. They think it's normal. They think it's normal to feel like a grasshopper. They think it's normal to survive on manna every day. They think it's normal 
to keep going around and around in circles, not feeling like you're accomplishing anything. They feel, they, they feel like it. They think it's normal to wander around for 40 years having an occasional encounter with God, but never actually walking out their calling, purpose, their promised land. Now, why did they get stuck and Jesus didn't get stuck? Why did it take them 40 years and Jesus was there 40 days? Why was Jesus even there in the first place? I mean, the, Jesus is perfect. He's never sinned. Why does he need this 40 days in the wilderness? It wasn't for public show because there was nobody there. Again, it, part of the reason is for the model, our model, but I think it was even more than that. He already had the public demonstration the Spirit descending and the witness of John and, and the affirmation of the Father and the public baptism. He's already affirmed. He's already anointed. He's already called. He's already got confirmation from a prophet. He already knows what he's supposed to do on the earth. And he spends 40 days sitting there doing nothing. Not even eating. Nothing. I really want you... This it really happened. This is... This is not symbolism. He spent six weeks sitting there in silence doing nothing. Doing nothing. A six-week silent retreat. Now, I don't know if he said anything out loud. We, we know that he answered Satan when he tempted him. But I'm saying there was no feedback. There was no entertainment. There was no accomplishment. There was no relationship. There was nothing. There was just Jesus and the Father alone. The devil came and said this statement. If you are the Son of God. And gave him three different ways to prove it. Prove that you're the Son of God. Prove it. Produce some results that say that you're the Son of God. Produce some actions. Produce a form. Give me proof that you're the, your Son. And Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he refused to prove his worth, his sonship, his identity, he refused to prove it because it cannot be proved. If you are a son, you are a son before you even born. 
if you are related to somebody, you didn't do anything to be related to them. If you are connected to God as a branch is to a vine, you didn't do anything. There is no proof. There's no proof. You are a son of God simply because God says you are. Simply because he accepts you. Simply because he adopted you. Because he connected you to him in a trust relationship. He started it. He finishes it. He adopts you as a son without your help. <laughs> without your any results to prove it. Why does this matter? Because he wasn't going to spend his life in the wilderness. He was getting ready to leave the wilderness. And it says he goes out in the power of the Spirit. And he starts preaching. And he goes to his hometown. And he, he quotes Isaiah 61 and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to bind up the brokenhearted and the, and the whole prophecy. And then he says, This day, these words are fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, here's, what, here's my calling. I'm fulfilling it in front of your eyes. I'm fulfilling my calling. I'm walking in the power of the Spirit. I'm now producing amazing fruit. In order to do that, in order to produce amazing fruit, to build the kind of business you're called to build, to produce the kind of art, to create the kind of art, that you're called to create. In order to write the books you're called to write, to have the relationships you're called to have, you have to get what Jesus got in those 40 days. What did he get? What do we need as the foundation that allows us to walk in the power of the Spirit and to live the fruitful lives that we're called to live. Consciousness. Consciousness. I want to explain this in Paul's words in Romans 8. He said, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh and those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit and then he says for to be carnally minded is death and to be spiritually minded is life what is that what does he mean i want to work use a different word than mind because that's become common 
and we we don't fully understand what it means because it means a bunch of different things. Mind can mean, you know, your opinions. It can mean the arguments going on in your head. It could mean the imagination. It could mean the judgments that you're producing. It could mean the attachments, the identity, the attachments you have to things and forms. So let's not use the word mind, and let's use the word awareness. Set your mind, or fix your awareness on things above. Set your awareness on the spirit, the realm of the spirit. Or focus your attention on the things of the spirit. Consciousness is your sense of self and the direction your awareness is coming from, if that makes sense. I'll try to explain it. Paul is saying, if you live aware of lack, if you live aware of law, there's a list of right and wrong things. If you do right things, you get approval. If you do wrong things, you get punished. If that's your awareness, if that's what you're aware of, if you live aware of your lack, meaning you feel like an orphan, you make decisions like a victim. You, your awareness is, your experience says that you are disconnected. Then what you produce from your life is all of these opinions and judgments and shame and blame and worry and control and all of these things that are trying to get what God would give you for free. So your mind gets occupied with trying to get peace, trying to feel joy, trying to produce love, you don't have, because of your, your awareness, your consciousness is on what you lack. Another way to say it is your consciousness feels like an orphan. So if you can imagine what an orphan feels like, maybe you have been an orphan or you felt like one or you know somebody in the foster system or somebody that grew up without their parents didn't know their, you know, their biological dad or the way they feel, they feel a lack of identity. They feel a lack of purpose. They feel a lack of provision. 
They feel a lack of protection. They feel a lack of meaning. They feel a lack of direction. They feel a lack of acceptance. A lack of approval. I could go on and on and on. But their awareness is of what they are missing. What's wrong with them. What they lack. Another picture would be a branch cut off from a vine. It lacks purpose. It lacks identity. It lacks a source of love, joy, peace. It lacks energy. It lacks revelation. It lacks acceptance and belonging. And on and on. A branch cut off from a vine feels disconnected. Its awareness is in the lack. Its awareness is in the disconnect, in the lack of relationship. Now, our default setting, so to speak, is this lack. It's somebody would call it a sin nature or a carnal mind or the flesh that flesh is not referring to your body it's referring to the ego which is you with your awareness set on lack you can just imagine a switch you know there is connected disconnected there is Approved of, disapproved. There is lack and there is source. Now this is critical because if your awareness rests in what you lack, you produce sin and death. You produce sin, and the wages of that sin is death. Now, how does this work? You feel bad. <laughs> There's a list of rules that, that you've bought into. There's a doctrinal statement. There's a belief system. There's something written down in the Old Testament or the New Testament or in your mind or at your church, or from your parents, it may just be implied there is these are the right things to do and these are the wrong things to do. And you have to abide by this standard in order to take approval, to take forgiveness, to get acceptance, to attain forgiveness you you abide by this standard so that you get from life what you're lacking you always have a sense of lack you're always aware of what you're missing you long for you want to feel forgiven and accepted and belonging you want to feel powerful and purposeful 
You want to feel meaning and useful. You want to feel like you're a branch in a vine, like you're a son, a child of God that has an inheritance and and a mentor and a guide and a comforter that has a source of energy and a source of ideas, a source of revelation, a source of grace that is flowing from within you out into the world. That creativity is flowing from within you out into the world. But if your awareness is set on what you're missing, what you lack, like I I have this standard I'm supposed to live up to, but I never get there. I always feel like I'm missing the mark. That is the lack associated with the law or a set of rules or doctrines. You know, another way of saying it is a lack of relationship. I feel disconnected from God. Or a lack of approval. I want people to like me, but no matter how much I try to get them to like me, it's never enough. And what that ends up producing is the mess that we see in most people's lives and in most countries and in most environments. It, it, it puts all the attention on the self apart from God. It puts the focus on survival, trying to get these things that I lack for myself. I'm trying to get a sense of identity with the forms that I attach to. I'm trying to take identity from the car I drive or the thoughts I think or the ideas I, I have or the feelings I have or the shape of my body or the clothes that I wear or the people I associate with or the school I went to or the job I have or the title or the position or whatever. I'm trying to take or get an identity from those forms. I'm trying to take or get purpose from this or that. I'm trying to take or get meaning from this. I'm trying to take or get a calling, a sense of calling, a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose a sense of belonging and acceptance. I'm trying to get those things from life because I my awareness rests on what I don't have. My awareness rests on who I am disconnected from God and what I feel, what do I experience as an orphan or a victim in the world. I feel like that branch cut off from the vine. My awareness rests on that. Now, I know I just spent a bunch of time <laughs> explaining that, but I, I feel like it's a little hard to understand, and I wanted to take the time to explain it the best I can. This is the foundation of life. This is why Jesus came this is why the Father approves of you before you do anything. But that approval, 
God speaking to you is not enough. Now that sounds kind of blasphemous, but I want to make it clear. God's love is not enough for you to fulfill your calling and stay connected. God's words is not enough. He can say words that say, I love you, I forgive you, I approve of you, I call you to this, I believe in you, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's not enough. You have to live from the awareness of that. You have to believe it. You have to trust it. It has to be real and practical. There has to be a relationship with God that is real and practical. And your ego or that disconnected self, that consciousness, or we could call it unconsciousness, because basically the ego is unconscious. It feels disconnected. It's not aware of its connection to God. So its sense of self is in the forms around it. You know, the, the possessions, the, the awards, the titles, the thoughts, the feelings, the, you know, the shape of your body or the lack thereof, your sickness or health. Your identity attaches to forms because it's not conscious. It doesn't, it's not aware of its connection to God. Jesus came to remove all of the obstacles so that you could let that ego die or dissipate or dissolve, go from unconscious to conscious. Now, Jesus didn't need to get saved. <laughs> he is salvation. He was never disconnected from God. But as a model for us and as a precursor to him fulfilling his calling, he sits there 40 days, silence, solitude, just getting tempted by the devil to create an ego. To say, if you are the son of God, prove it. He, Satan is trying to get him to do what he got Eve to do, which is to feel fear or to feel uncertain and try to take control of his own life so that his consciousness goes from his connection to the Father to his isolation and he feels disconnected and now Satan has an inroad and can manipulate his life. If Satan can get you to feel fear, then you will sabotage your life with control trying to avoid that fear. We all understand, we all have deal with this, maybe every day. But Jesus doesn't bite. 
He doesn't try to prove himself. He does not create an ego. And what he is allowing during this 40 days of surrender, he's weak, he's hungry, he's probably tired, he may be hot or cold, and the desert is harsh uh, weather. He's isolated. He's sol- there's solitude, there's silence, there's just nature. There's no performance. There's no forms. There's no mirrors to look in. There's no cameras to take pictures. There's no crowds to applaud. There's no proof. You know, there's nobody getting healed. There's nobody responding to his messages. There's just him and God and the devil trying to tempt him to create an ego to to disconnect to take control of his own life to prove himself and he refuses this is the foundation of your calling this is the foundation of your calling if you don't understand this if you don't get this if you don't practice this you will build a business that is a giant ego It'll just be you, your ego times the money you make, magnified. Your art, your inventions, your ministry, your books will just be a demonstration of your ego. They will not bring life into the world. They will not be a source of revelation, a source of of creativity, a source of abundance. They won't be a source of peace and hope and love and joy because though the ego cannot produce those things, the ego is cut off. Consciousness is the awareness that you live from. If you're unconscious, your awareness is the lack the isolation, the disconnect you feel, and then what you produce is all of this noise and scrambling, trying to get the things that you lack. If If you are aware or conscious of your connection to God through the Spirit, then you don't feel any lack because there is no lack. The branch does not feel lack because everything it needs is getting in real time. There's an active connection and the branch is aware of it. It never feels the fear. It never feels the lack. It never feels disconnected because it's aware of its connection. Now, branches and vines are not conscious. They're connected, but they don't know they're connected. Therefore, they cannot disconnect. But people are conscious. They're not just the branch. They have the ability to know or, or sense or be aware of their connection. And they can turn the switch on or off. They can pull the plug out of the wall or plug the plug in. If you want to fulfill your calling, which is always... Bringing life, bringing revelation, bringing 
you know, the, the technologies that solve the problem, the ministry that brings peace, the, the books that bring revelation, the source of life, the calling on your life is to bring heaven into the earth, to manifest heaven into the earth. If you want to do that, you have to live from this awareness, this consciousness of your connection to God. Now, I've taken a long time to explain it. Now I'm going to get real practical. How do you do it? Well, first of all, it's critical that you have a trust relationship with Jesus. Now, the Bible used the word believe. That's the translation. But so so many Christians have the idea that believe in Jesus means I have a, a written list of or a, or a verbal list or a mental list of things about Jesus that I agree with. Like, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus died for my sins. Jesus rose from the dead. Check, 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 check. I agree with those statements. That is not what the word believe means. The word believe means trust. It's a relationship word. It is a trust, an active, practical, trusting relationship with Jesus. Now, your ego cannot have a trust relationship with Jesus because the seat of awareness is disconnected and its primary way of being in the world is control. It needs to control life and people and situations. It needs to know what's going to happen tomorrow. It needs this sense of control because it's aware of its lack and trying to regain certainty. So the ego can't have a trust relationship with Jesus. You have to have conscious awareness of your connection to God through the Spirit. You are a spirit. Your true self is a soul that connects with God in this realm of the Spirit. You have to have an awareness of that connection in order to fulfill your calling. You can't just have it. You have to have an ongoing, everyday awareness. You have to live consciously. You have to live with an awareness of your connection to God. Now, Jesus came so to make that possible. Not only does he allow you to feel forgiven, feel connected, feel clean, feel accepted, he also pours out His Spirit on you so that there is a shared relationship, a shared experience. So He allows you 
to feel accepted before you do anything to deserve it so that you can establish this trust relationship and then all the good things you do are flowing through you from heaven to earth because of this relationship with the Spirit. Jesus makes this possible. You can't feel like a son without the Son of God making you a son. You can't feel forgiven unless God stamps your passport, so to speak. <laughs> like If you're on the run from the law, it doesn't matter what you do. If the, if the government says you're a, a fugitive or a criminal, there's only one person or one entity that can say you're not a criminal, and that's the government. You have to... Jesus is life and example and model and death and resurrection and words are the way you connect to God. It's not just what he said. It's what he said. It's what he did. It's who he is. It's all of it. That's how you feel connected. It's how you feel forgiven and accepted. Jesus. But practically, how do you practice? The best way that I've found is to start your day with meditation. You sit down. Solitude, stillness, silence. No performance, just like Jesus in the wilderness. No performance. Nobody watching. Nobody looking. You close your eyes. And you breathe. That The breath brings your awareness into the present moment so that you're not your mind's not going back into the past or off into the future so the stillness and the silence and the solitude and the presentness is is consciousness it uh, it is the allowing the ego to dissipate or die or dissolve. And what is left is consciousness. You move from unconscious to conscious, or you move from identifying with the form, aware of the form, to the awareness of yourself as a spirit. It takes some time, it takes lots of practice, and it won't happen right away, but daily this trust relationship will be built and you'll be able to connect with God and fulfill the calling on your life.